Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 159 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, how has your week been? Not too bad, not too bad, Joe. I'm actually, this is the first podcast that I get to sit here and look at my custom Sidney Bacabella figure. He's on top of my computer stand, just kind of looking down, making sure everything's going well. Oh, so this actually, um, you know, kind of end arounds from last week. You have it in hand. I do. Is it Bendy size? Is it LJN size? It is maybe about this the height of a pack of cigarettes, which I know may not relate to most people. It is Correct. does not appear to be a Bendy because his arms are fused to his hips. And I don't see any discernible, like, we mentioned last week, oh, a Bendy would have a, somebody's signature in the back of it, you know? Uh, nothing like that. So I, I'm curious, might have to slide into his DMs. I'm sure for a couple bucks more, he'll let us know how it was made. Right. Uh, but I haven't even taken out of the little plastic thing. Hold on, I'm gonna do a live unboxing here for the for the YouTube subscribers and oh take boy. it out of this little plastic shell that comes in. That's the ten dollar Patreon level that doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Kind of feels like hollow plastic. So I don't know. Like it's definitely not bendable. Right. Okay. But yeah, maybe you know what? He might have gotten a factory contact in China. These might be custom made for him. You never know. No, like I said, I know he was practicing. I don't know if you saw his most recent one. He did like a Ricky Steamboat into a Great Muda, uh, the LJNs. No, I didn't see that. So I know he's been working on them himself. I'm just wondering what he used to make this Sydney, you know? Yeah. No, I'm curious. It's definitely not rubber. It's definitely not like a figure that I've ever seen. So it might be like a repurposed non-wrestling figure, you know? But it even has a little cigarette in the mouth, too. So I love it. <laughs> Right, so that's the thing. I, I wonder what he did. I'm going to see if I can bug him. All right. Speaking of things that are bugging me, Joe, I listened to the latest A show. Uh-oh. I, hey, I listened to uh, David and uh, the the gang did Ring of Honor 2010. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Here's the thing. All right, I'm not going to spoil anything because the episode is relatively new, as we like to let people go and listen to it. And DeWiki, he drafted a show that you would expect DeWiki to draft, you know, like a, a competent show, a well-researched, a, a well-presented show. Um, but in my opinion, uh, Decker, you know, trying to do his best Vansky impersonation, he really, you know, presented outside the box. And I'm not liking the fact that the votes aren't showing his way on that. You know, I think it's kind of like, a, hey, everybody vote for the guest host type of thing going on right now. Well, there have been times in the past. I think Matt actually won once or twice. Mm -hmm. um, I'm surprised just based on the strength of his main event alone, uh, Matt doesn't have more votes. But that's the thing, you know. I, so he, you say that uh, Decker tried to go Vansky, right? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, nobody can go full Vansky other than me, but he tried. He tried. It's not recommended to go full Vansky ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not good for your health. You're not good for anyone's health. But what I'm saying is, so when you do 80s WWF or 2000 WCW or whatever, going full Vansky or even partial Vansky works. Yeah. But I think for a promotion like Ring of Honor, you really can't do that. Once you start to stray away from that, it loses what that promotion is. And then you're not booking a 2010 Ring of Honor card 
You're just taking 2010's Ring of Honor roster and fucking around with it. <laughs> yeah, no, you got a good point there. You got a good point. Whereas I think you can't, like, I just think that Ring of Honor doesn't lend to that sort of thing. Like, just similarly, um, I know there was a Patreon uh, Pod Van Dam episode where uh, Ed and Caden had uh, Bahu. And this might not be out yet, but, you know, sometimes you get things early when you're a person. And they did a fantasy draft for FMW. Mm-hmm. So you could do pretty much anything you want, you know, based on it. We'll get into it when we talk about Dark Side of the Ring a little bit later on. Because there was a couple different iterations of FMW. Even if you did ECW, you could play around with it a little bit. But when you do that, like, pre-Sinclair buyout era of Ring of Honor... Like, and you don't do like that super serious Ring of Honor product with a little bit of entertainment in there. I think you're just like not being true to what the promotion is. Yeah. I think when I return as the number one seed of the Tournament of Champions, and we're going to get to that in a second because I got a gripe, I got a rule change that I'm going to have to petition for. Oh boy. But- But when I return as the number one seed in the tournament, uh, since I'm going to pick my topic, I think we should do Chikara because then I could just lean into the silly shit. You know, my number one pick obviously would be the mysterious and handsome stranger. And then I could fill it all out with, you know, Dasher and uh, the boar and whatnot, like just some type of era, you know, where I could just pick from anybody in Chikara and just do all silly shit. I'll draft you, Joe. I'm sorry. Somebody that looks like you, Leonard F. (laughs) Chikara. Uh, pre being hit by a bus. Yes, yes, pre bus setting. <laughs> but here's the thing: I want to go back to this. I mentioned the fact that on the l- latest episode, uh, at least out of the people that have already completed the qualifying round for the tournament, uh, Matt said that I am currently the fourth seed. And the way that they broke that down was, let me just put it this way: the number one seed so far in their eyes, allegedly, is the boar. Because he has 95% of the vote, followed by Ed Cody with 62%, and then Matt, somehow Matt won an episode with 50% of the vote. But here's the thing. The boar has 95% of 44 votes, meaning he got 42 votes. Okay. Ed Cody had 62% of 21 votes, meaning Ed got a total of 13 votes. If you add up all of the votes for all quote top three seeds. That's fifty-seven votes, Joe. You know how many votes I had all by my lonesome in my was, triple threat? Wasn't it like a hundred and sixty something? Well, that was the overall votes. I had That's eighty-four right. for myself. So you're gonna tell me that somehow the man who got eighty-four votes is behind Matt, who got eight friggin' votes on an episode. Matt won an episode with eight votes. Uh, Joey Image doesn't have nine friends that can vote for him? What the hell? This is why this is my show. I'm the champion of the A-show. And as of right now, again, if they want me to participate in the tournament, I am the number one seed. Unless somebody else gets more than 84 votes, which it's not looking like. If the boar, somebody as popular and world-renowned and loved as the boar, only got 42 votes, I am sailing into this tournament as the number one seed. I'll just say this, unless I'm mistaken, I think Joey Image has, like, tens of thousands of Twitter followers. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he couldn't get seven votes, let alone nine votes, I think that speaks volumes for his followers that are bought <laughs> and paid for, allegedly, allegedly. And your big 495 that you have. So, 
you know, <laughs> 10% of your followers, uh, you know, reached out for you. Now, I'll, I will say this. Um, kind of, I'm not going to say in your defense, but in defense of the existing rules, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, being the number one seed means that you get to draft second. So... I, if was given not the number one seed, would not fight for the number one seed because then I would get to pick first in my matchups. Uh, secondly, uh, you if you want to rile up the boar and bump him from his number one seed, that's on you, player. <laughs> uh, I personally wouldn't. I would say let the boar have number one and I'll be happy with number two behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not the one who won by this crazy big landslide like you did. These are just my suggestions as your unpaid counsel. <laughs> Thank you, wise man. Um, but I'll just say, number one, I don't think I've ever had the number one pick in any of the many, many, many appearances I've made on the draft show. Neither have I. Show. Oh, uh, no, so, you did against me. You did against me. Uh, again, that match was stricken from the record. Ah. There's really no audio of that episode. <laughs> Um, but like, I'm not going to rely on the crutch of needing to draft first. I just want to be the number one seed out of principle because again, I am the champion of the A show. So I think that it just goes without saying that the champion should be the number one seed and I'll leave it at that. All right. Again, when I, when I submit my second sheet of rule changes to, to Matt and Decker, uh, I'll include this on there. Uh, and anyone interested in the first sheet, I'm willing to sign it and sell it. If anybody is interested, slide into those DMs. <laughs> That's in the Facebook group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. All right. So that's a perfect spot to get into This Day in Wrestling History. Um, there is one thing that I had to add at the last moment that I forgot in the email, but that's okay. Because one is going to take up a lot of time. One, we're going to brush through, and the other one we'll deal with as we deal with it. Uh, So on this day, wrestling history, uh, 1996, uh, the world's greatest singer, the world's greatest entertainer, and the world's greatest wrestler, Double J, that's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T, Jeff Jarrett, made his debut for World Championship Wrestling on an episode of Nitro. Now, I'm I'm a little rusty on my Jeff Jarrett knowledge. Just correct me if I'm wrong for the timeline here. He was the greatest singer, greatest dancer, entertainer in WWF, then went to WCW in 96, but then came back in the Don't Piss Me Off era, right? Before- well, right. So they built up 96 uh, in your house uh, was when him and Shawn Michaels have that killer uh, match for the Intercontinental title. Okay. Uh, there's one person who's stupid who says that they knew when they were an infant watching that match that that match was bad because it had bad psychology. That person's <laughs> a stupid person. Um, one of arguably the best matches in that era of WWF, nay, I would say in the top 20 of all time. Uh, so it was supposed to be the uh, reveal that the roadie was the one that was singing, and it was supposed to go to Jarrett feuding with the roadie over the summer getting that information about the creative Jarrett and the roadie quit WWF on the spot and just walk out the building after the match. Okay. Then there's a bunch of legal wrangling back and forths. They're in USWA. Jerry Jarrett is working in a consigliatory fashion with WCW at the time. 
And it's at that point through, you know, almost three or four months of legal wrangling that Jarrett's able to get out of his contract and go to WCW. And he's only in WCW for a year as essentially like the same character, just not a country music singer uh, that he was in WWF. He comes back to WWF uh, in 97 or 98, rather, my apologies, doing the first he's shooting. He talks about how he was misused in WCW and misused in his first run in WWF. He has what's referred to as like the Aztec warrior gear. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. He, be- he becomes the country music singer again for a short amount of time with Tennessee Lee. Uh, Colonel Robert Parker is his manager. And then that's after he loses the match at SummerSlam 99 or 98 rather against uh, the kid, uh, one, two, three kid. Uh, lose a hair versus hair match. That's when he becomes don't piss me off, Jeff Jarrett. Okay. I feel like I have no recollection of the 96 WCW Jarrett. Though. I remember everything WWF you just told me. Did they flirt with the idea of putting uh, Jarrett in the horseman or did yes. I make that up? Okay. So that I remember, but. Right. And it was like that. a mini, it was like a mini program with like him and Mongo and Alex Wright. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That That's all I remember is that him teasing with the horseman but uh yeah good good uh, there is no bad era of double j in my opinion i agree i'm glad the world is coming around to what i knew back then that double j was awesome yeah (laughs) um also on this day one year ago on aew was uh the dog collar match between then tnt champion brody lee against cody um which ended up being brody's last match hmm uh, you know, when that popped up on the timeline today, I'm just like, oh yeah, that was his last match ever. And that's a real bummer. Um, but again, it's a, a match of importance. It was a really awesome match. Uh, strangely, AEW has it like in clips on their YouTube channel, but it is in full on like non AEW YouTube channels. So, you know, go revisit that and go revisit the match. Where John beat Brody for the title. Uh, yeah. Just like an absolute squash. I love that match so much. And the little on the stage promo where uh, Brody beats the shit out of uh, Cody. And then just like pours the TNT title belt on top of him. He already chopped it up. Yeah. And then Brandy comes out for the save. And the Queen Slayer takes her out. I loved all of that. That was all great. Right. But most importantly. Adam, on this day in wrestling history, 1995, Mm -hmm. Extreme Championship Wrestling held an event from the ECW arena. Uh, This was an event that was mostly chopped up for TV, never got a home video release. Um, But most importantly, this was my first ever ECW arena show. Hey, there you go. Uh, Features uh, Cactus Jack taking on El Porto Recaño. In a match where Cactus purposely does long extended headlock sequences, <laughs> uh, Rey Mysterio and Psychosis battled in a two out of three falls match where oh. I've seen merchandise going around recently that was like commemorating their three matches in ECW, Rey and Psychosis, and it has this date wrong. It has this <laughs> date on there as October 17th, but it's actually October 7th. I don't have the heart to tell people that are posting this up saying how cool their thing is. And it's signed by Ray and psychosis. And I'm like, yeah, the date's wrong. I don't <laughs> want to tell you. Yeah. Um, 
So this the show was originally advert. Oh, so uh, there's also a match on here. Conan takes on Dudley Dudley. Uh, there's a match that did not make TV because after the match, Conan got on the house mic and said, Paulie, if you ever put me in, in the ring with another piece of shit like this, I'm walking out and never coming back. <laughs> um, again, we asked Conan about that on Twitter, if he has any recollection of that, and he does not, sadly. Oh. Uh, so this, this show was originally advertised as uh, the public enemy taking on the gangsters in a match outside under the trestle above the ECW arena and Paulie apparently didn't get clearances to have a match outside so they hot shot at an angle and had the Pitbulls who the previous show had won the titles off of Raven and Richards Raven and Richards beat the Pitbulls because Pitbull 1 is still super injured if you go and watch this match like Pitbull 1 like has like an entire like plastic like it's not even a cast it's not even a brace it's like a plaster statue on his arm like that's how fucked up he is right yeah. So Raven and Richards beat the Pitbulls to win the tag team titles back, and then they turned it into the three-way dance of Raven and Richards against the public enemy, against uh, the gangsters. Uh, they do a bit in the match where, like, Raven and New Jack have, like, a little face-off, and that's, like, the only time those two ever, like, had any ring time in their entire stints in ECW. Public enemy end up winning the titles back, and it's, like, real close to this time where, like, public enemy, like, sign, con- like, they do a dark match for WWF, they do a dark match for WCW, and they're gone to WCW by January. Now, this is 95. I was 15. How old were you then? 18. 18. Okay. Did you go by yourself, or did you go with other people? I went with my brother, Tony, who was 13, and I went with my buddy, Brian, uh, who was who I was like one of my high school buddies. He lives in Florida now, uh, but he was going to the University of Scranton at that point. And uh, that's how we were doing our internet there by sneaking into like the University of Scranton's uh, <laughs> computer cafe late at night. But uh, another thing from this show that never made air was the first ECW uh, uh, arena appearance of superstar Steve Austin. Austin comes out, he cuts a promo, he does an old dusty bit in the promo where he tells everyone at home to put their hand up against the TV screen and touch his hand and feel like whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So this promo never sees air, okay? It's only for the live crowd. Um, and instead, when they're doing all the promos and everything for like the following weeks of TV, this is where Austin does the ECW promo, the famous one of him sitting down and talking about WCW and ta- and doing the Dusty impersonation and doing the Hogan impersonation. And, you know, the shot heard around the world. Austin's out of the high-paying job. The offers are coming in from everywhere. All Japan, New Japan. All I've got to do is try to figure out where I'm going to put my name on the dotted line. And Todd Gordon's the one who came up with the number. And I don't know if he ended up mortgaging his house one time, two times, three times. But that was the right number to get Steve Austin, the hottest free agent in professional wrestling, to sign to ECW. And I show up here, and this building is a piece of trash, and blah, blah, blah. You know the promo. You've seen the promo. Oh, yeah. Oh. So it's that in-ring promo that didn't work was the impetus for, like, that promo. And, like, (laughs) you could say that promo was what got Austin hired by WWF. 
Like, that's what, like, was whatever was bubbling under stunning Steve Austin, superstar Steve Austin, Hollywood blonde Steve Austin that turned him into Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, like, that promo might have saved in some kind of weird way the WWF from, like, going out of business, if you think the, about it. Like, in, I, I would say the through line is definitely there. Yeah, like the butterfly effect of that, you know? For sure. And, and the one that was the in-ring that you were mentioning, is that just nowhere? Like, nowhere. obviously, it didn't make TV. It's not like, uh, there's not a fan cam or something like that. Obviously, nope. there weren't cell phones, but... Okay. So th- this is one of those ones where, like, sometimes they would film it and do, like, a full VHS release of the show. And sometimes they would film it and just chop it up for TV. This is one that just got chopped up for TV. There's a JT Smith versus Two Cold Scorpio match that, like, made clips. Um, but everything else on the show. And then, like I said, the they show the end of Conan versus Dudley Dudley. And then there's, like, a Conan promo. But, like, the Conan Dudley Dudley promo is not in full anywhere. The JT Smith versus Two Cold Scorpio match, not in full anywhere. And that Austin promo, nowhere. Like, not even pieces of it anywhere. Wow. Well, I guess cassettes were still expensive then. You know, that must yes. be it. <laughs> All right. So, Adam, let's get into what we liked and didn't like uh, in the last seven days in the world of professional wrestling. All right. I'll start things off. I'm going to start off with a dislike, Joe, and I'm not going to go too far down the rabbit hole on this because I've said many times before, the WWE doesn't do anything that I care about enough to like or dislike with passion, but this is in my dislikes just because, and it's the WWE draft in general, and the main reason why it's in my draft is, and they've been doing this for a couple years, but the whole concept of people being drafted to the same exact brand that they're on, like they would announce a name and be like, oh, you know, I don't know, whatever, uh, Roman Reigns has been drafted to SmackDown, and it'll take me a second to kind of process, well, he was on SmackDown. What does that even mean? And, and like, that makes no sense. And it's a waste of television. Uh, they should have just a way to just explain, okay, these people are protected or something like that. And then the other thing that is kind of weird is the fact that you have titles that are on the wrong brand. And what I mean by that is like the SmackDown women's title is now on Raw and the Raw women's title is now on SmackDown. And I'm sure maybe they'll do something at the, the next Saudi blood oil money show to mix things up or or even worse, they'll just change the names of the titles, which will just make the, the lineage even more confusing. I think at this point, why not rename one of the women's titles as just the WWE Women's Championship and the other one, the WWE Universal Championship? But like the whole thing is confusing and unnecessary. Just mix people up for the sake of... You know, if you need to tell a better story, just have somebody show up on another brand, do a run in or something like that. It's just overall disappointing. And add to that to the fact that aside from Hit Row, nobody of consequence came up from NXT. So they're all doomed down on NXT two point glow. Uh, Just very underwhelming. And I, I know I didn't expect anything better than that, but that's my first dislike. Are you telling me Ridge Holland isn't going to light the SmackDown world on fire? Well, it's already a packed show, so I don't know how they're going to fit another top guy on that show. (laughs) Yeah, so I had the draft, like, tentatively on my dislikes from last week and even this week before some other shit happened, you know? Yeah. But I think outside of the very first draft, and so this is another thing. Um, I'm 100% in agreement with you in regards to, like, why people from the same show are drafting. Uh, Like, why... You know, Cesaro, who's already on SmackDown, gets drafted by SmackDown, right? Yeah. 
So the logic that they would have you believe is, is, well, SmackDown drafted him so no one else can draft him. But there was a whole thing on one of the drafts where they drafted John Cena as the first draft pick for Raw. And then the night ended with SmackDown just drafting him back. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the their own innate logic to how their draft works doesn't work. And then they did, like, the supplementary draft after SmackDown last week, but they didn't do a supplementary draft after Raw this week. And there was, like, big-name people. Like, granted, they may not be on TV, but, like, you know, you didn't draft Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and then even further still, we're doing these drafts now, and these things don't even go into effect for another two weeks until after the Saudi blood oil money show. Yeah. So we're expected to remember like what the allegiances and alliances are today so that in two weeks from now, when everyone switches, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's right. That's right. That's that's in correct in my draft calendar that I wrote up or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost miss when they first did the brand split. And if a memory mis is not mistaken, they just literally had everybody on the table and drafted everybody. And there yeah. was something. 200 draft picks so between WWE.com or AOL keyword WWE or whatever it was. And at least that was more interesting because you were starting from scratch. But this, you're moving around one or two pieces. It's it's completely meaningless. With, again, I don't expect anything more. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I The draft is such a nothing. But it's like, it's a ratings bump, I guess. I'm not sure if it still is, but I think that's why they did it. Um, especially like, I think that's the beginning of the new fall season, quote unquote on Fox. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't even have the dancing football robot. Yeah. So, I mean, what the hell are we tuning in for? <laughs> so, Hey, let me get a like out of the way. Right. All right. And, uh, I'm not a hipster, but I might have hipster likes this week. Uh, okay. so my, my first like is from AEW dark. Eddie Kingston taking on Anthony Henry. Okay. Uh, I did not Anthony, see this. Right. Anthony. Well, listen, you don't watch AEW dark and dark elevation like a good, uh, AEW sycophant. Like I do. I mean, <laughs> fan fan. Um, but typically dark is just squashes, right? Mm -hmm. And I know Anthony Henry was a guy that had come up on the Indies during a time where I wasn't focused on like the Gabe Indies evolve and whatever else was going on there. And he was in a team called the Work Horsemen with uh, J.D. Drake. And they kind of went their separate ways. J.D. Drake went to AEW and Anthony Henry went to WWE. And now he's back on the indies. And uh, this match was a very competitive match where Anthony Hen Henry took, I would say, almost 60 to 75 percent of the match. And Eddie Kingston, who arguably is an AEW main eventer, uh, gave Anthony Henry so much and made him look like a million bucks. This definitely felt like Eddie, who I know is friends with this guy, uh, using whatever goodwill, cachet his on-screen character has to put this guy over in the hopes to getting him signed. And I watched this match and I'm like, holy shit, they should sign this guy. He's awesome. But it's because he's in there with Eddie, and Eddie was giving him a ton, and that's how wrestling works and everything else like that. But go out of your way and watch that match. Like, 
kind of forget I said all these things. Yeah. <laughs> and go watch that match and be like, holy shit, Anthony Henry's a star. Oh, man, you spoiled the ending by saying that, uh, you know, the king goes over at the end. Damn it. <laughs> right. So, again, I would say that this is, like, similar but not exact. And because it happened on Dark and it didn't happen on the main show, when uh, last year or year and a half ago, when Kenny had that match uh, on, you know, the main Dynamite TV show with uh, Alan Angels. Okay. And he gave Alan Angels a ton. And he let Alan Angels, I think, kick out of the V-trigger, maybe. Hmm. And I think, like, at that time, Alan Angels had maybe had two matches previously on TV. And it was just one of those things. Is like, this is a guy that we like. This is a guy that we want to do something with. And one of their top stars decided, like, I'm going to let this guy that we're going, we know we're going to do something with him six months, a year, 18 months from now, have a ton. And Kenny arguably is the biggest star in the company. You know, he's the champion. Yeah. And, you know, for it, it was similar to that match. And I know at the time there were people that were pissed off about it that like, oh, how dare Kenny give that guy so much? It's like, well, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what the plan is. I don't know what the plan is with Kingston and Anthony Henry, but watch this match. And it really looks like this is a match of them trying to get Anthony Henry a job. All right. Maybe I'll check that out. I, I do dabble in the YouTube shows because you, uh-huh. you sold me hard on, on some of the squashes that the, the face of women's wrestling does on there. So, all right. I am going to do, I'll stick with AEW and I'm going to do a like Joe. And this is uh, a real easy one. And this is from AEW Dynamite this week, the Casino Battle Royal. Okay. Uh, this was a really fun match. You got to see or uh, our boy Orange Cassidy in there with some new opponents that, you know, I, we haven't seen him at least recently against, you know, whether it be Moxley or Archer or Andrade. Um, and, like, I, I'll just say that, Obviously, the return of Hangman blew the roof off the place. It was one of those things where if you really thought about who could the Joker be, I mean, the Hangman was uh, the very obvious choice, but it didn't take away from the surprise or the pop or just the, you know, the 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 excitement of seeing him pull the chip down. And now you have not only do we still have Danielson as a legit challenger to Kenny Omega, you know, but maybe he has to work his way back up there and Hangman can slide right back in. Maybe give the belt to Hangman and have Danielson versus Omega not be for the belt, you know, just have it be for whoever to see who the best wrestler in the world is, you know, because obviously Brian Danielson doesn't need the, the world championship right now. But I was very excited to see Hangman back. We talked about on the show how we were kind of pulling for him to, to go all the way and win the title. And maybe he's back on track for that. It certainly feels that way. Um, the pop that he got was amazing. This was a possible in my likes, but I had a feeling that it would be in yours, so I didn't want to double up. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it was, it was exactly what needed to happen. The crowd reacted the exact way that it should have. And uh, yeah. This was really good. It was a fun match, yep. I like the spot where uh, Lance Archer had the his head stuck in the ladder and Orange Cassie jumped up on his back and tried to climb the ladder without it being, you know, spread out. Uh, that was a cool spot. All right, what do you got? So what do I got? Um, hey, let's go to didn't like, right? Oh, okay. Um, I'm all for more opportunities for women in wrestling. I'm sure. all for more opportunity for talented people of any uh, race or gender or whatever to get an opportunity in wrestling. Um, Wednesday, 
it was announced that wow women of wrestling uh which was david mclean who was the original guy from glow back in the 80s is going to be doing a relaunch in 2022 they claim that they're going to have syndicated tv with cbs all this other crazy stuff now why is and they and they also have uh aj lee uh you know uh cm you know and again yeah. i forget uh what her april uh, or something Mendes. right right aj mendez aj lee however you know her um she never, I don't think she got a fair shake in WWE, but I wasn't the target audience for her. Mm-hmm. And there's so many women who are wrestling now that looked up to her and was a role, she, they, like she was a role model of them and they got into wrestling because of her. So to have her in a position of power with the new company, the new relaunch, the new whatever it is, that's great too. Um, however, who they have positioned as their um, main star, the person that they put out front um, the one that they did promo packages on and video packages on and shirts on and so forth. Um, outside of being a real life piece of shit mm-hmm. um, is someone who's in ring work. I'm not a fan of and someone who is a very public, difficult person to work with as a professional wrestler, whether it be she's publicly stated that she's been that women's wrestling is beneath her. Uh, whether she's publicly stated or that she held uh, the Impact Wrestling World Title hostage after they put it on her um, during a pandemic, where they had to like write around her just leaving the company and not giving them the physical belt back. Um, and I saw a lot of people today like saying like, "Hey, don't even quote tweet that. Hey, stop like mentioning it." But again, it's Tessa Blanchard. Mm-hmm. Um, she seems like a pain in the ass and a difficult person to work with. Um, I don't want to say that she's racist, but I think there's more people in the wrestling business that have bad things to say about her than good things to say about her. Um, anybody can be redeemed. Anyone can fix whatever bad press or bad publicity they have about themselves outside of killing someone or actually doing a legitimate racist or a legitimate sexual assault, which she did not do at least one of those. Hmm. Um, but hopefully, like, she's on the straight and narrow, and this is, like, her attempting to rehab her image. But if I was a fledgling company, I would not put any of my apples in her basket, let alone all of them. Yeah, I, I saw the the choice of the debut shirt for her, too, today. It says, like, yeah. nuclear. Great, great, <laughs> very self-aware shirt. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I, I probably won't be watching, so it, yeah, that'll be might be the one of the last times we mention it. But uh, I, you know, what? I'm going to go ahead, Joe, and I'm going to do a dislike. And we've been doing this show for a long time, right? Yeah. You know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Who am I always saying, like right off the very beginning of the show, like every single week, I'm always saying that this is my favorite female wrestler, Joe. Alexa Bliss. No, 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 no not Alexa Bliss. The other one. Tay Conte, the face of professional women's professional wrestling. The face? No, no not Tay Conte. Uh, the other one, Joe, the one I'm always talking about. Oh, Anna J. No, no, come on, no. You're stop messing around. The one I'm always talking about, I say it's my favorite. She's like the best women's wrestler ever. Julia Hart? Ah. Obviously, the person I'm talking about, Joe. Everybody know everybody that's listening to the podcast. Ah, say, I'm sorry. Say it along. Yes. I, right, everyone at once. 
Gigi Dolan. Oh, no, no, no. You know, Gigi Dolan, Dolan's in my top 10, you know, for those acting and emoting abilities. But uh, I am, of course, talking about Brandy Lauren, Joe. You know how, obviously, I've been a big fan for a long time of Brandy Lauren, right? Yes. Not, not news to you. So one other thing that you conspicuously left out of this day in history uh, is one year ago today was the NXT uh, little class announcement. You know how they do, well, they used to do the thing saying, hey, here's all the new recruits coming to NXT, and they all wear the property of the Performance Center t-shirts? Yeah. Well, one year ago today was the class that included not only Brandy Lauren, but friend of the show in AIW ref extraordinaire Jay Clemens. And when that tweet was originally announced a year ago when Jake tweeted it out, I jokingly mentioned to him, I was like, hey, tell Brandy I said what's up. And we both went, ha, 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 you know, whatever, that's funny. And then kind of let it go. Because obviously that's what you do with such things. So now it's a year later and a lot of people are mentioning, you know, on Twitter and social media, hey, it's a year ago since this happened. Look at how crazy things have worked out for everybody. And, you know, uh, obviously Jake's going on to bigger and better things than NXT. But I mentioned to Jake to earlier today, I say, hey, uh, did you ever happen to mention uh, to, to Brandy Lauren that I said, what's up? <laughs> and he said something to effect of, I did not. But you know what? Hold on one second. I got you. <laughs> So Jake goes and texts Brandy Lauren on my behalf and says, my buddy Adam wants, you know, wants you to know he says hi. <laughs> um, so I won't divulge the contents of all the text messages back and forth between Jake and Brandy. But I, I just will say that it all went off the rails when somehow Brandy looked me up on Twitter and saw <laughs> a photograph of me. Now, granted, this this was not like a very flattering photograph. It was just if you go to my Twitter and like search by media, it just happened to have been the last picture of me. I was like ripping a heater in the garage. I was probably saying something mean to DeWiki or something in the picture. But that obviously was the first thing to come up. So automatically I was just like, uh, no, thanks. So the reason why this is in my dislikes, not because Jake Clemens is the ultimate uh, wingman, which he is, and not because Brandy Lauren doesn't uh, find me attractive, at least based on that picture, but it's because I decided that I need a worker Twitter account, Joe. You know, like, I'm going to have a separate Twitter for, like, all the doll stuff and the bad broski takes, but then I need, like, a proper Twitter where it's just me doing like posed pictures and fancy clothes, uh, like looking like Ethan Page. You know, Ethan Page is always like smiling and looking off like he just heard a funny joke. I'm going to do like those types of posts. And that's just going to be the Twitter that like if somebody's trying to slide into my DMs, that's the one they'll find. So uh, shout out to Jake Clemens for coming through. And I need a worker Twitter account. So I'm not sure if you're supposed to use uh, Twitter to, uh, I guess solicit dates <laughs> Why or not? solicit a relationship people do uh, it all I the saw, time joe <laughs> yes and i saw one today and it always goes poorly <laughs> and i don't you mean, mean yours i mean oh. uh i mean warren g <laughs> don't look that up i won't i won't um but i, isn't I just that, want... isn't that with like tumblr or screen door or plenty of fish didn't you just get like a spam tweet or text from someone that was like, hey, buddy, uh, you know, I saw your picture. Let's hook up or something that had a whole bunch of like weird phonetic 
and like punctuation that's not from this country in it. Yeah, it looked like it was written in Krypton. <laughs> you know, like, but uh, yeah, I guess those exist. But you know, Brandy Lauren's not, uh, as far as I know, not on those. And she's uh, she's on Twitter, and that's how she chose to look me up. It's not like I went and looked her up. Okay. Uh, again, this is just all just a, a crazy misunderstanding. I was just gonna just say hi. I'm a fan of yours, but Jake was under the impression I wanted to date her. How would that work? I live in Pennsylvania. She lives in Florida. It would never work, Joe. For that reason and that reason alone, I'm not going to pursue things. I'm glad you didn't say her exact address, which I'm sure you have information on. Um, so this feels like just another opportunity for you to have another Socko Twitter account to vote for yourself in the coming Tournament of Champions 2 on the A-Show. Uh, that well, being said, that being said, PayPal me twenty five dollars, and I'll tell you all the other parts of the conversation that happened with this. I'll give Adam a cut. I'll give Adam a cut. Yeah, if you want to see the screenshots of the actual conversation, uh, subscribe to our upcoming Patreon. <laughs> That's right. <sighs> all right, what do you got, Joe? All right, so I got my last. I, I got a. I what do I got left? I got. A, oh no, I got another like. I got another like. Okay. Uh, my like is from AEW this past week. Uh, Dynamite. You have to specify because there's seven AEW shows. Yes, there is. Uh, and mine was the what we all thought was going to be the culmination of Hikaru Shida uh, winning a Cable Ace Award for getting her <laughs> 50th AEW victory. Yeah. And sadly, that's not what happened. Uh, she was doing really well in the match. And then in the back half of the match, Serena Deeb decided to be a piece of shit and just like beat the hell out of her car Ishida, pinned her, preventing her from getting her 50th win, and then smashing her in the head with the Cable Ace Award. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, that was an ingenious thing. I would have absolutely done that angle, but I would have done it after, like, we already established because Jungle Boy got his Cable Ace Award for his 50th win on the male roster. Hikaru Shida gets her 50th win, and now we have somebody else who tries to go for it, right? And, like, let's say you have Hikaru Shida, like, you're like, no, I want to be the only one that has 50 wins. So, like, maybe you do, like, a heel turn with Hikaru Shida who prevents someone else. That was, like, my idea of how to do it. But, like, it was a great shock. It was a really good match. And this, uh, you know, storyline coupled with the announcement of the TBS title, which is going to be the secondary women's title, uh, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit more faith in the AEW women's division, you know? Yeah. Joe, this was almost, this was in my likes in pencil until the Casino Battle Royal, and then I erased it and I put that in. Just for all the reasons you mentioned, I was watching that match and enjoying the match, and I was thinking to myself, how great would it be if they have Sheeta lose here? Because nobody's expecting it, you know, for all the reasons you mentioned. Because, again, we're trained that the when Jungle Boy was presented with the opportunity to win the plaque, he won it. You know, so we had no reason to think that it wasn't going to go that way other than it being cool. And just the fact that it got smashed afterwards is even better. And I forgot uh, who... Uh, said it on Twitter, but they were mentioning that, like, somebody needs to lap her, like, go from, like, zero wins to 50 wins before, where she just keeps on losing, she meaning Sheeta, uh, just over and over again, goes on, like, a bad losing streak, because she can't get over the hump, you know, that would be a, a good angle as well, but I, I really enjoyed that spot, and the AEW women's division is leaps and bounds, the, probably the best women's division 
on national television at least because again nxt's women division doesn't exist and wwe's is kind of just the same three people over and over again you know right cool all right i am gonna go with the like joe and i i save this to the end because you know what i think this is the biggest story of the week in all of wrestling and we will talk a little bit about this at the end of the show when we do show homework, but I, I would just be remiss if I didn't mention it in my likes. But that is the fact that AIW, no, I'm sorry, ALIW has a new absolute and intense champion. That is Broski, Matt Cardona. Broski two belts. The man who has so many belts, he doesn't even know what they are, just like he doesn't know what the absolute intense belts are. I think he he thinks that one of them is an intercontinental title. This is all great. Uh, obviously, I'm a huge Broski fan. Uh, for those of you that have never listened to this show, uh, I, I love the fact that Thorne is kind of accepting and embracing the controversy and the social media buzz that comes with letting the belt collector come in. I love the fact that some diehard AIW marks are just shitting themselves and like, I'm never spending another dime on AIW. Uh, it's just, all of it is just great. The only negative is the fact that like, I thought about going to this show and I just, I didn't have the time off from work, but I probably could have just <coughs> called off sick and gone and I chickened out and then this goes and happens. And, and again, I'd be remiss to even mention we have the the broski heads in PME, you know, joining broski. This was all of this was awesome. I hope it is a, a very long reign. So um, I could pivot my dislike to say that it's your fault that I wasn't at this show. Because <laughs> I didn't want to drive up by myself. <laughs> that that's my final dislike. That you're admitting it on the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. If if ever before I've gotten heel heat from our listeners, this is the number one thing that can get me heat. Is that I literally deprived the Cleveland slash Akron slash Ohio area of getting you at an AIW show. So <laughs> I apologize to everybody. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Just you know, it was almost then. Uh, yeah. So if I could put my Mark hat on for a second and get in my actual dislike, which is also this event, oh. that that I can't believe in true WWF parody booking, they have the hometown hero with his family in attendance on his mom's birthday lose to a big, overblown, overinflated nobody just to get some likes on social media. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, but I had to put this into my dislike so that we can transition to discussing. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. The homework this week. <laughs> I'm so glad that you didn't legitimately have a, a an angry anti-Broski take, at least in that segment. But maybe homework is still young, so we'll see. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say who said this. Uh-huh. Um, but when uh, I say what it is and then I tell you who said it, you're going to be shocked. Mm. Uh, sometimes heat is better than money. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd say 
you know, as someone who's making zero money off of, you know, professional wrestling right now, I always say heat is always better than money. <laughs> That's why I've always tried to get heat on the show, Joe. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I assigned show homework this week, and that is the aforementioned AIW One Step Ahead, which uh, took place Saturday, this past Saturday, October 2nd. But uh, very shortly thereafter was available streaming on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Right. Uh, so before we dive into our take on the show, uh, I would be remiss not to mention three things. Uh, one, head over to masklibrary.com. Uh, our good friend Kevin Hellions usually does a write-up uh, for whatever we assign as the homework. And uh, he's still punishing himself with the Cody Rhodes reality show. No one's asking him to do that. <laughs> Yeah, at this point, I think he likes it. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah. But uh, again, so I, if you want... I learned on Pod Van Dam to not shame people for unconventional things they like. I think that gets into that uh, Warren G thing I mentioned before. <laughs> um, so if you want to read it, great. Uh, listen to Wrestling Cheers. They get their mention in the show notes uh, in the in the plugs a little bit later on. But they had a great rundown uh, of in the in the crowd on the floor fan experience. And then, of course, uh, on Tuesday, uh, AIW releases the podcast. The card is going to change. And typically those episodes that come out after a show are almost like the director's commentary for the show. Yeah. So if you want a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain of like what went into the show and the decisions made for the show and around the show, definitely check that out if you want a little bit more. Yeah. Off of your recommendation a couple weeks ago, I actually did listen to the last two episodes of mm -hmm. the AIW podcast. So I hope that I get my shout out on the next one, just like you had one on the previous episode. Well, <laughs> Monday, uh, Monday, when Steve Guy says we're getting ready to record, who needs a shout out? You got to tweet at him. All right. Well, maybe you can't I will. say give me a shout out. You have to say <laughs> give me a shout out because this. OK, because I am the champion of I AIW like not champion like the A show, but like I'm championing, like presenting AIW shows as homework. So that, that's uh, what, okay. You know. I was going to say because you're Arthur MacArthur's stunt double. <laughs> oh, poor Artie. More on him in a little bit. All right. So uh, show opens with a uh, four corner single elimination contest as uh, one half of the current AIW tag team champions, Mr. IWTV himself, Wes Barkley, takes on one half of the Bitcoin boys and Eric Taylor, uh, one half of bulking season in Chuck Stone, and one half of 40 acres in PB Smooth. Uh, one fall uh, to finish. I like this match. Um, you know a match is good and correctly paced when the finish comes out of nowhere and it makes sense. And they, it, it, an opener should either get the crowd up or leave you wanting more. This mm. did both. It left the crowd up because it was an exciting match. And when the finish happened, I was like, holy shit, I didn't expect the finish right there. I want more of this. I want more of these guys. I want to see more of them. Uh, I have to note, though, uh, from what I wrote down, it appears as though the Duke has replaced the boot, um, <laughs> the Haas division boot. It's not the same boot that it was the last show. Uh, I don't know if he's uh, cleared that with the championship Haas committee. And <laughs> something kabuki-ish going on with that boot. <laughs> yeah. And they mentioned on commentary that Eric Taylor and Chuck, Chuck Stone went to high school together. <laughs> I want to see that high school. <laughs> 
quick shout out for commentary. This is the first AIW homework I've assigned uh, that had Wadsworth and Carson on commentary. Like, obviously, I had been praising the Duke uh, and, you know, John Thorne on commentary for the previous couple shows. But uh, Wadsworth and Carson were great on this show, by the way. And obviously, some people interchanged with Carson during the show. You had Chuck Stone and some other people coming in. But uh, that main commentary team, you know, really stood out as being pretty good. Yeah, yeah, Wadsworth, definitely one of the more underrated guys in all of independent wrestling commentary. Uh, Definitely an unsung hero of it, and I know a lot of the stuff that he hasn't been there due to family commitments. Uh, I forget what his, I think his son plays basketball. His, his, His teenage son is like almost seven feet tall, and he's like a basketball prodigy. So if he's there attending those games, that takes a little bit more uh, precedence over independent wrestling commentary, you know? Yeah. Uh, But as far as my take on this first match, I agree with you. It was kind of short and sweet. The finish did come out of nowhere. Uh, I would have liked to have seen more PB Smooth just smashing people, maybe a little bit more physical stuff with Chuck Stone. Uh, The entrances seem to have taken forever. You know, it was one of those things where you're like seven minutes into the show before the bell rang. And I'll just say this here. Uh, uh, this is the first AIW show that I'm watching. That's not at the Odeon. This is at the Shriners thing. <laughs> uh, this is, I'll just say a challenging building to film. I, I won't outright shit on the video of this, but, uh, you know, you had hard cam and you seem to have had one, uh, hand cam that was stuck on the right side of the screen. So it was really hard to follow all the action, especially when they spill out to the crowd later on in the show. Yeah, uh, maybe I think for the bigger venue, they might need a third camera person. Sometimes that's a little bit more difficult to come by. But I love the look of this building, and they had 500-plus packed in there, man. It was a jammed-up house, and I loved seeing it. Yeah, like, and while I do like the Odeon, because it's the only AIW venue I've ever been to, so therefore it's going to be my favorite, um, I, I recognize the fact that if they're going to be running bigger shows, and they talked about this on the uh, Card is Going to Change podcast, is that... If you're trying to run big shows, you need bigger buildings, and that venue is definitely suited for the the house that Brosi is going to bring in the future. Mm-hmm. More on that later. <laughs> uh, next up, we had uh, Ethan Wright taking on Levi Everett. Um, I'm I'm not sure how I feel about Levi with a full mustache and beard combination as opposed to just the beard. Hmm. Um, it makes him look less Amish, but it makes him look younger. Take that for what you will. Uh, Ethan Wright had a new haircut and or dye job, so he had like a fresh coat of paint, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story of this match was uh, maybe Ethan Wright taking Levi for granted, not taking him seriously because of the gimmick, the butter churn and everything else like that. And at various points in the match, Levi was using Ethan Wright's moves against him. Uh, the figure four, the spine buster, et cetera. And it was a low blow on the finish behind the referee's back and the butter churn out of the ring um, that gave Ethan Wright the win. And uh, Kevin mentioned this in his write-up that Ethan Wright is, and again, I don't want to say he's technically sound because a lot of people say it's like when you say someone's technically sound, that means they're boring. And he's not boring. Um, there's just something that he's missing. And again, I'm not smart enough to know what it is. Mm-hmm. But I think whatever it is that he's missing, there was glimpses of it here. Uh, so they just need to work on this and figure that out and harness whatever those little glimpses were, grab more of those, and then you'll be able to 
Ethan Wright will go to that next level that I really think that his talent and ability can get him to, that he's just missing that, like, intangible, that connection, that whatever, right? Yeah. And I think Levi's great. Levi's a fun gimmick. Um, all the stuff that he does is over. And uh, he, uh, you know, does his character and keeps his character 100%, you know? Yeah. You got you to gotta kind of – it's a rarity these days, you know? For sure. But the match itself for me was just kind of I, you know, didn't care for it one way or another. Wasn't bad. Wasn't great. You know, nothing memorable for me. I liked, I believe this match on commentary, they were putting over the fact that both of these guys were in the uh, the new talent initiative at one point. And they're yeah. just kind of went in a different direction, you know, and Ethan Wright's just now catching up. So it was a good way to, to make me uh not necessarily care about the competitors, but just understand, you know, the storyline of these two random guys I'm watching, you know? Right. Uh, so next up, we have Kaplan, the blue-collar brawler, easy for me to say, taking on the strongest man in the land, Arthur MacArthur, a.k.a. Artie, a.k.a. Uh, Adam Stunt Double. <laughs> uh, so this was a, f- uh, a hard-hitting match. Uh, I know Wadsworth had mentioned they had that killer match during the Go For Broke series. Check that out. I'd love to see these two mix it up one more time. Mm-hmm. Kaplan's on a bit of a roll. As much as I would like to see these two mix it up one more time, I would much rather see Kaplan versus Broski. Um, my no, only that's Broski. no. <laughs> my only critique for this match uh, is if Artie is going to use the claw as part of his gimmick, he needs to tighten that shit up. <laughs> uh, looked a little lazy. I will give. Uh, an excuse to say that Kaplan's giant sweaty head may have been difficult to put the claw on. Um, but when he did, you know, cause obviously when you give someone the claw, the way that you make it work even more is when you grab your own wrist for extra lever- leverage. Mm-hmm. Even when already grabbed his own r- wrist, it was kind of like a lazy grab of his own wrist. Um, and he really wasn't feeling it or selling uh, how he was putting the claw on. He needs to work on that. Well, first of all, how dare you say anything poor about uh, anything badly about poor I, Artie here? So I, I love Artie. This is constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, we we're all rooting for Arthur MacArthur. This is a MacArthur household here, you know, cousin Artie. Uh, <laughs> and yes, I have been accused of being his stunt double, sometimes standing in for him in promo photos. But uh, I, I really do feel if I was there, as much as Arthur said he would have liked me in his corner, I do not believe that the result would have been any different because if it came down to me standing between Kaplan and him, I would be moving out of the way pretty damn quickly. You'd see how fast I am uh but I enjoyed the match because I these are some of the guys that have been on just about every AIW show I've watched since I've started kind of getting into it over the last couple months so obviously I have a rooting interest in both of them and Arthur's my drinking buddy so he does no wrong uh but I agree the third time's the charm for Arthur MacArthur I hope that it happens at a show that I'm at uh, next up, we had the main event taking on PME. Um, I did like the Duke saying, uh, questioning why main event were even here because the Bitcoin boys have already beaten them. Uh, attempting to work in some sort of stipulation where every match that the Bitcoin boys have is a loser leaves AIW match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'd be all in on an angle like that, or at least like, if you can't beat us, like the contract says you must split up, 
And if we lose, we'll split up, you know, and figure things out from there. Yeah. Um, I thought this match was good. Um, the only issue that I have with this is I think the Duke may have telegraphed the finish of the main event a little bit too much in this match. What did he do? I must have missed that. He he really was hammering home how different PME were acting, how they don't get the same support from the crowd that they do be, that they did before now that they're not the champs. They really need some sort of attitude change and so on and so forth where they really weren't wrestling all that different until like the last third of the match mm-hmm. and the crowd was like still really super into them and their entrance and everything else. Yeah. So so Duke was like calling the match like he knew the finish in the main event okay. and was leaving like seeds. But instead of leaving seeds, he dumped out the whole packet. <laughs> yeah. And then the, obviously you have the spot where, you know, after the main event wins, they're trying to extend their handshake and, uh, you know, Philly and Marino won't accept it. You know, so I guess that does feed into the descent that uh, the Duke was spinning, you know? Mm hmm. Right, but, but I like I, this match a lot. I think yeah. the main event are awesome, and they're one of three different teams that are called the main event on the indies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. All right. Next up. Uh, next up, we had uh, TKD, who is now the gay con, or gay icon, however you work that together, uh, taking on Effie, who for this match was not the internet champion. Yeah, Very, that's some bullshit. Uh-huh. Let's talk off air. um so this was uh effie's debut in uh aiw i have issues with effie um people do things 10 15 years ago that i don't agree with five years ago and everyone kind of looks past them for whatever reason but sadly sometimes i don't Mm -hmm. and i know a lot of people have moved on from Effie working with Chase and Rance. Effie doing a program with Izzy, the Bailey super fan, and selling shirts that says Effie beats children. But I don't forget anything. Sadly, that's my, that's my, my curse. Um, so I'm always very trepidatious when it comes to a lot of the Effie stuff. But this match was really good. Uh uh, TKD is someone who's been wrestling less than a year, and a lot of that was during the height of the pandemic in front of no fans. And, you know, obviously being an openly out gay wrestler, and Effie these days being like the openly out gay wrestler, I, I can only imagine how big of a deal this was for TKD to get. I did find it odd that, like, as soon as the match was over, Effie just, like, got out of the ring and went to the back. Um, but, Bell to bell, this was a really good match. Um, I, I will ask you after we record about the the status of the internet championship, because I just kind of felt weird that that is a big buzzworthy thing for Effie, but we'll talk, pal. Uh, I do agree the match was fun. Um, good for TKD. They talked about how, you know, him coming out has kind of helped him flourish as a character and as a wrestler. So again, good for him. Um, this venue we talked about, before maybe you know because it's a bigger venue it's the shriners and on the uh aiw podcast they mentioned how it's kind of like a right-leaning crowd and there was a lot of kids in the crowd so i kind of felt 
weird or uncomfortable the spot where tkd kind of pulls down his trunks as if he's gonna you know shove something somewhere which again i'd have no problem with in any other atmosphere any other wrestling it just kind of felt weird because it was more of a like more kids seem to be in this crowd than there would have been in the odeon or something but maybe that's just in my head um but yeah i mean it was a fine match uh i enjoy effie's theme music but uh other than that you know okay he's all right Oh, so, and hey, I want to throw this out here as well. I know John did his best to try to address this. And I know Justin and everyone on uh, Wrestling Cheers tried to ad- uh, address this as well. Uh, apparently, there was a fan in the crowd who yeah. may have said or may have said multiple uh, homophobic or offensive things, okay? Um, so, I don't get to a lot of wrestling shows, you know, uh, I got my two LVAC shows this year and maybe hopefully more next year. Um, but let's say uh, I'm at a show I'm in a working capacity and something like this happens. You as a fan is up to your discretion if you want to tell that fan to shut the fuck up. Um, I am advising you not to um, interact uh, or confront or anything that fan. I will say, just as an example, at this AIW show, okay? Mm. Do not text, do not email, do not FaceTime, God forbid, because they keep their messaging on that. <laughs> he, doesn't, he didn't listen to this podcast, so it's okay for me to make fun of uh, Pat for that. Yeah. At this, at this show alone, okay, you had Thorne, you had Pedro, you had Dom, you had Steve Guy, you had any one of the students that were doing security. To physically go up to, grab them, look them eye to eye and say, hey, that guy right there is saying homophobic, racist, whatever shit. So that you, as the fan, can have the clear conscience that you actually did something at the time. That you went and reported it to minimally the five different people that were in a position of power on that show. If I'm at a show and I'm doing commentary and something like that happens, interrupt me on commentary and I will go deal with it personally myself. I don't give a shit. I've Mm. thrown people out of Chikara shows for less. Mm. I don't stand for that sort of shit. Neither should you. But you as a fan interacting with another fan could be bad news for you. Let the promotion deal with it at the time that it's happening. And I know a lot of times that you're like, well, why can't AIW do something about this? They can only do something about it if they know about it. It's a big building. There was 500 people in that building, plus not including wrestlers, staff, etc. I'm not making any excuses for anyone. Um, Every situation like this should be handled in exactly the way that we all imagine it to be handled. But sadly, it can't be. All we could do, whether we're fans, whether we're workers, whether we're any part of professional wrestling, to make this community better and more encompassing for people like this, for people like us that want it to be better, is to do something at the time. The longer we wait, the bigger a problem it becomes. Yeah. And plus, just think of how great it would have been to see Dom choke that son of a bitch out, you know? Like, or just yes. stomp a hole in him. It would have been yes. just beautiful thing to watch i'd pay to see that you know so uh, so i hate yeah. to deter from the match um no, like I said, the match was the match was very good uh like i said probably a big deal for tkd i don't know him personally but uh definitely check that out mm-hmm. 
Uh, so next, uh, we had Thunder Rosa taking on uh, Jocelyn Navarro. Um, I found it interesting, odd, something, that Thunder Rosa was wearing a button-up shirt that appeared to be fashioned from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles bed sheets. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know if I heard it on Wrestling Cheers or AIW that, like, a fan gave that to her. Yeah. Right. Um, so apparently Thunder Rosa, uh, on both Wrestling Cheers and the AIW podcast, they said that she was top three all-time, um, special guests, like, rivaling Kevin Nash. And listen, when you rival Kevin Nash, wow. uh, you know, that's, that's high praise, you know, that's near good place praise. <laughs> um, I definitely thought this match was good. It was clunky in a few spots, and it's definitely because of the experience level between the two. Um, there was a couple times where, like, trips or evades or things like that were supposed to happen, and there was no contact. Uh, but the, both competitors knew something was supposed to happen. It's like, I'm supposed to trip you here. My hand came nowhere close to your leg, but I know this is where you're supposed to trip me, so I'm going to pretend like you tripped me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's a couple spots like that, but like I said, these are little nitpicks. Um, when it comes to the end, like, I like talking about current day indies, but then like, I look at it with this sort of mindset. Don't let that deter you. I thought this match was really good, really hard hitting. And, uh, you know, after the match, Thunder Rosa cuts the promo, puts Jocelyn over. And, uh, if, and when the AIW women's title comes back, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jocelyn with it. Yeah. Regarding some of the things you were talking about, about some of the, like the contact being, you know, not as crisp. Uh, one of the things that's great about watching Jocelyn wrestle is normally she's in there with men that are significantly larger than her. So she's able to just like pinball into people, you know, just like throw everything she's got. And then she just looks like a world beater. And I think if she kind of worked that same exact super, super tight, super aggressive style against Thunder Rosa, you know, Thunder Rosa's half her size, you know, or it, it just wouldn't have worked out. So she had to go. Uh, Jocelyn, that is, get a little bit more technical, and she just wasn't quite there yet. But, you know, like you said, it's it's getting there, and she did pretty well. You know? Absolutely. But yeah, fun match. Uh, next up, we had uh, Derek Director with Ziggy Heim taking on Matthew Justice with Bill Alfonso. Um, these matches are so brutal and so hard-hitting, uh, I was reminded on commentary that Derek did actually win one of their matches. Um, and this did tie them up as one match apiece. Uh, I feel as though this is building to the mixed tag with Ziggy and Derek taking on Bill Alfonso and Matt Justice, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and did uh, did it look like Alfonso got busted hard way from like landing on a table or just having a table thrown in his direction or something like that? Not a table, I'm sorry, a door. He, he got busted open. Yeah. Okay, not sure how that happened, but... Uh, yeah, get that camera out of there. <laughs> but, I mean, a, a fun match. I don't think that this match really had anything that their previous match didn't have. And, you know, the, the other one was at the Odeon, so it was a little bit more violent and a little bit more fighting in the crowd. So I prefer the previous matchup over this one, but it was fine. For sure. All right, Joe, I'm just going to set this one up. All Your right, main Joe. event of the evening... The reigning and defending champion, the absolute and intense champion, Joshua Bishop, against uh, the young upstarts, Matthew Cardona. 
in the main event, Joe. Oh, boy. Uh, okay, so Hopefully. Josh. Before oh, sorry, you get started, I just want to ask you, when they had the, the graphic come up on the screen, and it literally says Matthew Cardona. I wrote yeah. down a little question mark. Is that an AIW thing where they give everybody their full, like, their mom's yelling at them name? No, I don't know. That just might have been like an oversight, whoever was doing the uh, graphics that night, you know? Okay, just because I've always heard like, oh, Matt Justice, Josh Bishop, but then it's when the graphics come up and it's Matthew Justice, Joshua Bishop, and then I just, mm-hmm. they figured it was just a decision that AIW makes. I'm trying to find conspiracies where there are none. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right, go um, ahead. I like this match. I thought it was good. Um, you know, obviously, if you're a listener to the Major Wrestling Figure podcast uh, f- that comes out for the pores on Friday, um, but they spend like a good chunk of the episode, uh, beginning, middle, and end, talking about this match and the experience and everything else like that. And one thing that I might have to call Broski out a little bit, uh, he comes out and he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be face or heel, you know? And <laughs> as soon as I come out and I saw that one guy flipping me off, I knew, okay, it's on. So he comes out and he gets a pop. And like the entire front row has their hand out looking for a high five. Broski blows them all off until he gets to Caden, who Caden just like gets right up into his face and is like, fuck you, you're going to die and flips him off. And then that's when Broski, like, he gets, like, this huge shit-eating grin on his face. And, like, that's when he knew it was on. But, like, I think it really could have gone either way. But uh, as we know more information that it's in Josh's hometown, he has, like, an entire bleacher section there to cheer him on. And it's his mom's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's no chance that Josh wasn't the baby face of this match. Um... But it was a fun brawl. Uh, Joey from Kayfabe Collectibles lost a bin of bendies on this one. (laughs) Well, did Uh, he lose them or did he have the opportunity to mark those up? Well, I would say if he was able to get them back, he has an opportunity to mark them up. Uh, Match used by Broski uh, Bendems. That's going to at least net triple the price, right? Yeah, I mean, if he has them, tell him to DM me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff with the doors. Um, and then PME come out, or as they're now known, Broski 1 and Broski 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, so so Broski's Broski, and then there's Broski 1 and Broski 2. Shouldn't he now be like Broski Alpha? Broski or Prime. Broski Prime, there you go. <laughs> Broski Prime. So um, they come out, they cost Josh uh, the match. Um, they're aligned with Broski now, leading into their match at Untitled Friday Night Live, streaming on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium as PME. Now with the backing of Broski taking on the Rip City Shooters and looking to get their tag, or they're um, they're optioning their uh, rematch clause in their contracts to get that shot uh, tomorrow. And uh, I definitely wasn't sending people matches for them to watch uh, to ape for their match tomorrow. Um, but, um, I like the match. Um, Broski's killing it, man. Like, I'm not going to say that I hate to admit it because I don't want people to think that I hate Broski by any stretch of the imagination. I just don't love him as much as Adam does. (laughs) And like, I don't love him at all, but I get it. Um, but he's not being lazy on these shows, man. Like he's fucking busting his ass. And like, I, I tip my John Cena cap to Broski for like really going out there, busting his ass. 
and like making his name mean something. And like the fact that his name means something and the fact that he's willing to lend that to all these other independent promotions, I think that's like showing a rare bit of selflessness uh, out of Broski. <laughs> uh, this is obviously, I feel the same way with, with all this. This was a, in my eyes, a great match. Like, you know, if you take the Broski bias out of it, it's only a five star match. But when you add the bias back in, it's like a seven star. Oh, if um, this took if this took took place at the uh, intense arena, the Odeon. Yeah. Uh, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and just the thing, I really wish. Now, obviously, I said I wanted to be there, and I chickened out. But I really wish that I could have seen this live. And, and I get that there's obstacles that were in place of that happening, but it just sucked. You know, finding this out on Twitter from Wrestling Cheers. You know, and, and just kind of seeing little bits and pieces from photographs and then eventually gifts and stuff. I, I wish this is something that I would have liked to have experienced live, uh, you know, streaming live, even if, uh, God forbid, I had to pay extra for it. I'm not, not going to speak that into existence, but, <laughs> but that's on you. Know, what's that? That's on you. I ain't paying extra. No, 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 no. I just mean like, it, like if it was uh, the, the, dastardly gcw people with their fight pay-per-views but what i'm getting at is if i really wish i could have seen this live and not had this spoiled you know and not had uh to be able to watch the match and then be surprised when broski gets the win at the end that that just would have been the icing on the cake but i'm very excited for this rain uh i, I say in all seriousness i hope it's not a quick one like gcw's was um, I'm not saying he needs to be the champ for two years or anything like that, but I'd hate it if he dropped the next show. You know, I, I think that that's short-sighted and I, I'm sure John Thorne is much smarter than that. And, uh, maybe after the holidays when, you know, things lighten up at the importer exporter business, you and I'll, will make a trip out to see, uh, to see Broski defend at the Odeon one of these days. Or whatever big sports complex they have to move to because of uh, Broski moving so many tickets. Yes, that's also true. That's also true. I'm going to send out a tweet to, to John Thorne. It's going to say, Dear John Thorne, I hope this tweet finds you well. Uh, hold on, let's see. If Matt Cardona is still AIW champ after the new year, I promise to drag Broski out, or I promise to drag Joe Sposto out to Ohio for the show. Warmest regards, Vansky. That's my tweet. I had already, oh, okay. I had already written it. I'm not going to hit send in a little bit. <laughs> but uh, I, you know what? I am going to have to stop recommending AIW as show homework, Joe. Aww. Because it's uh, with AEW being the only televised wrestling that I give a shit about, I feel like I'm going to watch more and more AIW to take the place of like NXT two point glow and raw and stuff like that. So I want to go back to assigning horrible stuff. So, uh, AIW might just be stuff that I watch normally so that I could talk about it in likes and dislikes. Oh, we'll okay. See. We'll see. I'm not saying I'm going to stop watching it because I'm, I'm a fan now, especially, especially now they got a top guy at the top, you know, instead mm. of the, <laughs> now do I get to be the one that tells you that the next two weeks of dynamite are on Saturday? Mm, what does that have to do with anything? I'm just saying, you know, you're talking about watching wrestling during the week. Dynamite's not on Wednesday the next two weeks. It's on Saturday. So it screws oh. up, like, what we have to talk about for next week. Oh, goddammit. We'll just have to go to one like and one dislike next week. Maybe. <laughs> well, I have my show homework, Adam. 
Uh oh. All right. What what Chikara show am I watching now, Joe? Well, no Chikara show this time. We're gonna take a little bit of a break from the uh, Chikara uh, events okay. because it's 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 the Halloween season, Adam. It's the spooky season. Hmm. And uh, I assume you, much like many of our listeners, uh, have Netflix, right? Oh, yes, I do. So you, Adam, along with me and the rest of our listeners, for next week's show, we're all going to escape. Escape from The Undertaker. (laughs) Oh, Joe, this was going to be my show homework uh, previously, but I didn't realize it wasn't out yet, and I was going to push it back and hope that you didn't bring it up. So if you didn't assign this, I was going to. So I'm very happy. (laughs) So I come to you with the caveat of this. You have to report back with what path you chose, and you have to successfully steal the urn. <laughs> See, I didn't even know. I mean, I knew it was a choose-your-own-adventure thing. I didn't know the the urn was something you had to do, but uh, I will I will explore greatly because I, I did. Have you ever done any of the Netflix, like, choose-your-own-adventure shows? No. Uh, there was a Black Mirror. If you've ever watched that show, it's kind of like a serialized modern Twilight Zone type of thing. Yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, and they had a movie called Black Mirror Bandersnatch, and it was basically about a video game developer. Oh, shit. Yeah, I did watch that. Yep. So that was, I I don't want to say it was the first Netflix thing like this, but it was like the first very popular one. And I must have did that like 15 times because I wanted to see all the different scenarios. So I'm going to get some legs out of this, I think. We'll see. Good, good. I'm looking forward to this. I hear as though like, there's a bunch, like, if you end up choosing the wrong path, they're kind of short. Yeah, that happened on Banner Snatch, where, like, the movie ends in, like, five minutes if you chose one, you know, went down one path. So Yeah, like there's a bunch of specified paths that, like, end very quickly. And then, like, as you're on the path to the correct thing, it goes a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Um, I've only seen people posting screen caps of it. Hmm. Um, I, that's, and that's the only thing that I know, like, I just like read the little description on Netflix about it. I don't want to spoil anything off uh, for myself, but I will just say this, uh, our friend Madden pissed off taker looks great in this. <laughs> His hairline looks fantastic. He doesn't look like a, a decrepit 75 year old man. Um, or, or maybe they used Hollywood makeup effects to make him look like that. Yeah. That's what it was. They that's want him to look ghoulish. You know, and undead. (laughs) And I'll also say this. If there's not a path where The Undertaker doesn't shit up his 501 jeans, then I guess Netflix doesn't like making all the money ever. (laughs) All the New Day has to do to escape The Undertaker is just walk away from a mall. Because, you know, The Undertaker loves walking malls. (laughs) That's right. Steal Instead of taking the urn, they should have taken his New Balance sneakers, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) All right, so uh, that's homework for next week. Um, hey, you know what? I'm going to collapse uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Okay. If that's okay with you. I like, the, FM, I like the FMW stuff. Um, and we're running into a situation with these Dark Side of the Rings where I think there's so much more to the stories of a lot of the last couple ones that they feel unsatisfied that there's so much more that they could have done. And I definitely think there was a lot more that they could have done with Onita specifically and FMW, not to say that I didn't enjoy it. Um, but again, there's only so much that you can do in like a 44 minute television show, so on and so forth. Uh, but I feel this week's coming up, 
Uh, Bruiser Bedlam, I think he's kind of like a niche, kind of like lesser known character in the world of professional wrestling, but did a bunch of crazy shit. So I think 44 minutes is perfect. Um, season finale, which is a couple of weeks away when we get to the WWF steroid trial, that could be its own season in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I just will say real quick, I enjoyed the episode. I knew nothing about really anything in it so it could have all been bullshit and i wouldn't have known but i I found it enjoyable if you want a more detailed breakdown of the episode we need wrestling beat us to the punch by an entire week because they watched it before they recorded last week so go check them out for that yeah but uh, i I enjoyed the episode so i'll leave it at that all right joe well since you collapsed the dark side of the ring i feel like there's plenty of time for what a lot of people are tuning in this week for That's right, it is the return of the gender-neutral monarch of At Odds with Wrestling. Uh, Hot off the heels of Avery Good winning last year's tournament, the first tournament being won by Orange Cassidy. I feel it is safe to say, Joe, that whoever wins this tournament, we're not making them stars because they're already stars, but maybe we're giving them that extra little push to get them right over the hump. So I think there's a lot of uh, cred that comes from winning this tournament. What do you think, Joe? Uh, I would certainly, I, I have no problem taking credit for other pe- other much more successful people's success. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so obviously it has been a while since the Gender Neutral Monarch's been around. The last time we did one of these, uh, we announced it last year on July 23rd. So we're a couple months behind, but I think it works great that the uh, the WWE King of the Ring and the the Queen of the Castle or whatever the nonsense female version was that they're running. But uh, here at at odds, we just go with a gender neutral monarch. And I am proud to say, Joe, I am going to announce two of the competitors of the gender neutral monarch uh, for this year. Now, I want to say this. Yes. Uh, the gender-neutral monarch of At Odds with Wrestling is a wholly Adam creation, <laughs> curated list, um, schedules, and so forth. I have nothing to do with it. Adam spring these, springs these on me and it, uh, on the show. I get no advance notice of these sort of things. And sure. uh wasn't so much as la- two years ago, but it was definitely last year, to see Adam posting and tagging people in these uh, polls. And then having very awkward interactions with those people on Twitter explaining what the hell is going on. That's always my favorite part of the uh, gender-neutral monarch of At Odds with Wrestling. Uh, Yes, I will. Full disclosure, I do pick everybody that's on this thing. I don't discuss it with Joe. Um, So anybody that's on here, that is my fault or my credit. But... And we'll talk about that a little bit, but I do enjoy the fact that it causes your DMs to go crazy. But as I mentioned, I am going to name two people this week to the tournament. The first of which is a new face to the tournament, 
And a that new is, face? A new face. No, no. It's, we're not putting Tay Conti in here because uh, God, God knows she'd win it all. And I don't want to. I don't want to do that to everybody. But uh, this is the strongest man in all the land, Arthur MacArthur, making his gender-neutral monarch debut. All right. Thunderous applause. Thunderous applause. I'm not and, editing. Th- I'm not editing that in. <laughs> All right, and the other name that I am going to announce this week, this should come as no surprise. This is his third time competing in the tournament, and it quite possibly is the third time as the charm. That is right, at odds, hashtag book the boar. It is time for the boar to finally win it all or or hang it up. That's up to him, but uh, this is his third appearance, the boar. I forget that you purposely go out of your way to screw the boar every year in this. I do know such thing. There was one year where that happens. One year, and really the boar screwed the boar. Last year, and I'll pull up the brackets for next week just so we can discuss this further, if there's any further, like, you know, shenanigans or implications here. The boar lost fair and square to somebody. Uh, And all I might have did the first year is put him against Alexa Bliss, and that was just maybe too strong of an opponent for him. But uh, And we'll did you, sure. like, stack the deck that he was, like, that someone was, like, managed by CM Punk and all this other shit, too? Well, the boar was managed by CM Punk. Oh, that's what <laughs> And I said a vote for the boar is a vote for Phil from Chicago. <laughs> and that was not at the height of uh, popularity of Phil from Chicago. <laughs> that was, right, he uh, might have been on a downswing, whereas <laughs> currently on an upswing. Yes. But yeah, last year I was on the up and up, and uh, the boar was, you know, he, he made it a little ways into the tournament, but uh, he did not last. But again, this is a new year, and the boar and Arthur are both in the tournament. I'm not saying that they are going to face each other. I will unveil half of the brackets next week, and then the remaining of the brackets the following week. So with that being said, you're like, oh, Adam picks everybody, and I have nothing to do with it. I have in the past reached out to Pod Van Dam and allowed them to make a pick, and I'm going to continue to do that. So, uh, Ed Cody, the only one from that show who is listening right now, uh, you may... And, wa- and, and the only one who watches wrestling. The only one who watches wrestling. Uh, and, and a lot of them watch... Well, Pat watches indie wrestling, but that's about it. Uh, I will allow Pod Van Dam to make a selection, but here's the thing, Joe. There's a lot of podcasts that we are friends with that are on our network, that sure. aren't in our network, that we don't necessarily uh, want to leave out. So here's the thing. If they want it, they don't have to. But if they want, when they listen to this, I am going to give a pick to Pod Van Dam, IWTV Guide, Wrestling Cheers, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, and... To hit my music, meaning DeWiki gets a picky. And uh, so those uh, six podcasts, if they'd like, reach out to me between now and next week and name your champion. My only caveat is that I would hope that they are somebody who is currently wrestling. Uh, That is not at all a knock on uh, Pod Van Dam picking Hayabusa. I would like it to be somebody who maybe could ask Joe very confused what the heck this is. But uh, again, if any of the members of those podcasts want to get together and figure out who they would like to be their champion, let me know. If not, I have plenty of other people that uh, are in the tournament as well as some other alternates lined up. And I think it's going to be fun. I do look forward to this because it's a surprise to me. 
I like, <laughs> I like surprises. Yes. And again, those podcasts that I mentioned, please reach out directly to me so that we don't ruin the surprise to Joe. Yeah. Don't, if you, if, uh, any, anything that comes to me in regards to the gender neutral monarch of at odds with wrestling is going to be tossed. <laughs> uh, and I'm saying this from a pa- place with peace and love, peace and love. But if you contact me about this, I'm just going to ignore you. <laughs> well, that's not nice. But anyways. Peace yeah. and love, peace and love. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that, again, next week, half the brackets announced. Hopefully we'll have a couple selections from some of these podcasts. Uh, and then we'll start voting in a couple weeks. But I'm I'm happy to, uh, excited to see who's going to be the third champion. I feel as though this is also a stealth test to see if these people listen to our show. But I'm just... Throwing that out there as well. Um, At least three of them do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, hey, uh, we mentioned a couple times, of course, uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. Uh, independentwrestling.tv. This Friday, streaming live, uh, is going to be the show event Untitled. Eight matches from eight different promotions. Uh, PWF has a six-person match. Limitless has a match. H2O has a match. WWR Plus has a match. Um, Jordan Blade, the Pro Wrestling Magic uh, Women's Champion, has an open challenge. Action Wrestling has Eric Royal taking on O'Shea Edwards. Uh, and like I said, these I, I would feel that these are your top three matches on the show. No offense to the other promotions, but as we mentioned before, the AIW Tag Team Champions, the Rip City Shooters, Josh Bishop, and Mr. IWTV himself, the man that Equinox fears, Wes Barkley, are going to be taking on the Philly Marino Experience, a.k.a. Broski 1 and Broski 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Camp Leapfrog Championship on the line as Avery Good, comma, professional wrestler, takes on the world-famous CB, which is going to be an unbelievable match that I cannot wait to watch. And the main event is going to be the IWTV Internet Wrestling or Independent Wrestling Champion Wheeler Yuta taking on a legitimate icon of independent wrestling, Alex Shelley. Um, so again, if you are not an IWTV subscriber and want to check this out, um, sign up. If you're a new subscriber, like I said, use our promo code at odds. Um, sadly, no more free days, but let's Jerry know that we referred you to him. Uh, it's $9 a month. I think you can do like a bulk buy for the year. I don't know. I just have like a standing order, which just comes out every month because I'm a dope. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, definitely check that out. And of course, if you do sign up, stick around, watch all the back catalog, whether you watch some of the old Chikara shows that we've talked about here going through the year 2012, as we've been over the last couple months. Some of the AIW shows from this year, last year, the Go For Broke series, or, you know, just type in your favorite wrestler, and I guarantee they have a match on there. Yeah. Uh, you could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link, which is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Does not cost you anything extra, uh, but it gives us what Amazon calls an advertising fee. I call it the thing that Adam likes at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. Not unlike that kid. Uh, that's what Punk whispered to that kid. I don't know if you saw that on uh, Wednesday <laughs> when he gave him those uh, those sneakers. Uh-huh. He said, my phone number's sewn in there, so when you sell these online, I better get a cut of the fucking money. <laughs> uh, but some of the normal purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody purchased a 124th die-cast version of the uh, DeLorean from Back to the Future 2 specifically, and oh. it lights up, so that's pretty cool. Oh, 
Back to the Future is like hands down, like the trilogy, one of the greatest movies ever. So I am going to have to take a look at that. Uh, and somebody also purchased something that I didn't know existed, which, you know, obviously there's Funko Pops for everything. Uh, but this is like a little Funko Pop diorama that you can get of the end of the first Avengers movie of all the Avengers sitting around the table eating the shawarma after their big victory. Uh, somebody purchased just the Captain America one. Uh, huh. I don't know if these things are being like piecemealed out. Like mm -hmm. on like a weekly or monthly basis, or this is just them filling the void of the need of something that they're missing. Mm. Not to take a look at that. I saw that there was uh, a diorama of like the battle scene of the of first Avengers where they're all kind of in a circle facing back to back to back. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, I didn't see the victory, victory shawarma or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're into Funko Pops, it's cute. Yeah, I mean, if you're not uh, doing a purge like I currently am, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Well, uh, one thing you shouldn't purge, Joe, is podcasts from your, your podcatcher or your RSS feeds. See, a very perfectly natural transition there. Uh, and some of those podcasts that you should listen to are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, Viewer's Choice, Pod Van Dam, IWTV Guide, Hellions Talk, and The Adam Show. I'm sorry, The A Show. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I don't know what to tell you in regards to that. Again, I, I gave you my advice at the beginning uh, of how you should handle these sort of things, but uh, Adam's going to Adam, you know? <laughs> This is true. Once I have a going into business for myself uh, up my craw, I, I have to keep doing it, you know? Right. <laughs> but that's it for the, the main show, I think. Yeah, it certainly is. So now... Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. Figures will be bought. <laughs> it is time for weekly purchases. You know, on our end, we don't hear any music, but it still made me chuckle. Yeah. <laughs> that I know you, it's there. Because you, you know that I had to write down a time code, and I have to go in and make a cut, and then I have to listen to it multiple times to line it up exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, not even from the work perspective, but just the fact that that's, that's even there. Yeah. Uh, shout out to DeWiki, the Jingle Meister, again. Thank you. Um, but here's the thing, though, Joe. Um, when... I went on a doll safari yesterday, and at the time, going into that doll safari and even coming home from it, I only had one weekly purchase, and I was worried that there was a jingle jinks. Like, somehow putting theme music to this segment might have stopped uh, the momentum of me getting stuff, but uh, I was bored today, and uh, my plans fell through, so I went shopping again, and, and don't worry, I bought a, a bunch of stuff today, so we're good. We're good. <laughs> there is no jingle jinx, but I'm going to assume that I have way more than you, so I'll go ahead and start things off. Uh, no, actually, I do have two things. I forgot one in the uh, email there. Oh, all right. Well, I'm still going to go first. Um, as detailed 
on, I believe, Longbox Heroes After Dark this week. Uh, myself and your other co-host, Todd Roker. Uh, we both bought NECA Ultimate Casey Joan figures from Edward Bay. Um, these were figures that I'm not a Turtles guy. Like I have one or two figures, but I loved Casey Jones and specifically the movie Casey Jones. So this figure was something that I wanted and they are impossible to get in Walmart. Even for as often as I go on doll safaris, I've never even sniffed one or been within like a shouting distance of one. So, uh, a pair popped up on eBay and I was like, all right, let's grab them just be done with it. So probably save money and gas and stress by just paying the the, the sucker's premium on, on eBay. But uh, I know you heard that story, but I wanted to get it. He's got it, and it should be here in a few days. We'll do a, a prisoner exchange. Yeah, and again, uh, you know, obviously I assume there's no crossover between this show and Longbox Heroes or Longbox Heroes After Dark. So if stories get repeated, they get repeated, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing that I bought, and I'll throw it over to you. I had tweeted out yesterday that I saw the WWE walmart exclusive hollywood elites uh specifically i just saw the john cena which is from fast and the furious 9 uh, i passed on that i want the roddy piper based on they live i had pre-ordered two of them on walmart's website but that's just as good as just writing your intents on a piece of paper and throwing it out your car window because <laughs> like pre-ordering stuff on walmart's website is useless so i'll probably never see those figures but what i did see today and i decided to pick up just because what the hell is the hollywood the rock based on him being luke hobbs from hobbs and shaw it's not a great figure but i love the movie hobbs and shaw so i figured i'd, I'd grab it and if if I don't want it, I'll just sell it down the road. But I, I wanted to buy something at one of the hundreds of Walmarts I've hit in the last two days. And that was it. Gotcha. Yeah, you, I saw the picture of that figure. That kind of stinks. It's kind of yeah. like, yeah. That's, the Cena one's bad. The 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 Hobbs one isn't great either. Like, I know you're not a, a big Fast and the Furious guy like me and Orange Cassidy. But... Luke Hobbs, The Rock's character, when he was in the uh, the Fast and the Furious movies, he had a very recognizable look because he had this goatee that The Rock really never has, and then like a tactical vest. So imagine if like The Rock was in The Shield, and that's right. basically Luke Hobbs. That would have been awesome to have a figure of that. But all they did was they took like a regular rock figure that they had laying around, like a bald headed, clean shaven rock, and just threw one of those Samoan like ceremonial uh, gowns around his waist and we're like hey it's a it's a luke hobbs figure uh it's clearly just a rock figure that they threw in the packaging uh <laughs> so it's a little disappointing but it's not as bad as the cena one what about you what do you got all right so uh this past weekend uh, i was helping my son clean his room because it's a disaster and he was kind of freaking out about it mm. uh so he's got a lot of pokemon stuff and uh, over the course of the last year, through, like, the Pokemon store, online store, like, the official whatever, mm -hmm. they'd been sent selling these, like, little diorama things of all the different Eevee evolutions, right? Okay. When you get them all, they kind of, like, you mentioned before, with, like, the Avenger Funko Pops, where they kind of, like, all go together, like, the battle thing and the one that somebody bought of them all at the shawarma table. This you get the Eevee, and it's all the evolutions around Eevee. And as we were going through them all, I noticed that I forgot to order one. Uh-oh. 
Um, and I was doing pretty good because I'm on the mailing list. I get the notification. I order it so I don't have to pay, like, you know, as as Adam says, the sucker premium, right? <laughs> yep. So they're not selling for as much as that I originally – because they were originally selling for 15 bucks. I noticed we were missing one. So I'm like, all right, I got to get one. I got to get the one that we're missing. I go, we have them all. We need the last one, right? Mm. Um, sold out through the main website. I go searching around on the different sites. And I'm looking, I'm looking, and I see that there's one for sale on Mercari, right? Mm-hmm. And with shipping, it ends up being like the same price that I was getting them from the whatever, okay? So I order it. And then two days later, the person cancels the order on me. Huh. So I had to go to eBay and make a purchase of it for a little bit more um, than what I was going to pay, like what I normally would have paid shipped, like $3 extra, no big deal. So we'll have the full set of those, right? Okay. And how many, did you say how many there are in the set or is it like a living and breathing? It keeps on going. No, no. So there's, uh, there's a total of eight pieces in it. Like there's, or yeah, there's, uh, there's eight pieces. There's Eevee and the seven evolutions. Okay. And we were just missing one of the evolutions. Okay. Cause sometimes evolution is a mystery, Joe. Oh boy. <laughs> there is no dragon or steel type EV evolution. So if, and when they add them, I'm sure they will uh, have them up for sale. And this time I won't miss them. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's one of those jokes just to pop one or two people, Joe. <clears throat> but, uh, all right. So I, I have two other little quick things and then I'll actually let you finish it up this week. Cause I don't all have right. any, I don't have any big boy purchases this week. Um, I don't know if I showed you a couple weeks ago, I bought, you know how star Wars has the figures that are still on the cards. They're not like the black series, but they're like kind of the older scale. Um, but whatever, they're the cheaper figures. A couple weeks ago, I bought a Boba Fett that was a Target exclusive, and they called it a prototype edition because all the arms and legs were were not painted. I don't know if you remember seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, Target came out with a Stormtrooper of the same gimmick. It's like the prototype Stormtrooper exclusive to Target, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, well, I already have the Boba Fett, so I'm like, let me try to get the Stormtrooper. And... They were on Target's website for pre-orders, and they were gone in like a second. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll try to get it when they're in stock. And then a couple days later, it says, in stock in Scranton. You know, six available. So I chose in-store pickup. And then like two hours later, I get a message, sorry, your items are unavailable. And it says, would you like to uh, to grab them in from Wilkes-Barre? Because Wilkes-Barre has 10 of them in stock. I'm like, I sure would. Transfer my order to Wilkes-Barre. I'll drive down for it. And then like an hour or two later, I get a message that says, fuck you, your your stormtrooper's not here either. <laughs> so I was like, all right, fuck it. I don't I don't need this stormtrooper. I don't care. I was just going to get it to complete my set with Boba Fett. And I just happened to be in, and I, keep in mind, this is like two days ago that said they were sold out of them. Uh, I went into the local Scranton Target today and there was a peg full of them. So I, was, I grabbed one and I shook my fist at the sky as to why they didn't have this two days ago. But I have that now. Um, and I have now, one. Go ahead. So this, the app that you're using, right? Yes. Target's website or Tower okay. Target's app. Okay. So. And okay. So. To enable your uh, toy boyism with this, right? Yes. Have you thought to cross-reference it with a site like BrickSeek to double-check? Um, 
I have dabbled in BrickSeek before, but I've never actually had it say anything I was interested in was in stock. Okay. If that makes sense. So I, I've looked up, because I did this with the, the NECA Casey Jones, because a lot of people in the Toy Boy Facebook group are like, here's the barcode for, for Casey Jones. Yeah. Go ahead and put it into BrickSeek. And I've done that where it would just say, you know, here's the next 20 closest Walmarts and every one of them sold out. Right. So if the target app says they don't have something i don't generally cross-reference against BrickSeek, you know just well, because it's like why bother you know so so my thing is is to cross-reference when they say they do have it and you go there and they don't whereas like you said they said that they did and then they didn't and then they said oh the scranton one has 10 so i'll just move my order over to the scranton one then you go to the scranton one and they don't have them and then those same ones show up two days later but I have a feeling that the Target app or the Walmart app or whoever has an inventory counter on their website is pinging the same information that BrickSeek is using. It's not like somebody from BrickSeek.com is going to the store and counting them on hand and then reporting back. You know, they're using an inventory system. So I would think that either both of them would be right or both of them would be wrong because they're probably using the same information database. Okay, and like I said, I'm 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 a just asking questions guy, so I'm oh, just asking, yeah, <laughs> uh, to see if there was a difference because I don't know. I've never used either one or both, let alone to yeah. cross reference that sort of stuff. And I think you know they've mentioned this on Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, where a lot of times as stuff comes into the warehouse off the truck, it gets scanned, and somehow that shows it up, but it doesn't actually make it out to the floor. Yeah, I I think that probably what happened was I. You know, as you mentioned, it got scanned into the building. It sat in the warehouse. I ordered it online. Somebody's like, well, I ain't looking for this and just reported it not in stock. And then somebody in Wilkes-Barre did the same thing. Or or it could have just been, it's buried in this pile of 9,000 boxes and I ain't got no time for that. You know, scenario. then a couple days later, it finally got undug out, you know, from the rest of the stuff. But, yeah, what I said, I, I needed it. Uh, the last thing I have, Joe, is just a real quick one. Back in 2000, I'm sure you might have either dabbled in these or thought about it. Uh, DC Direct came out with Preacher figures based on the comic Preacher. Oh, I thought you were going to say based on the TV show. Uh, oh, no, I wish. Uh, based on the hit Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon comic book. At the time, I had bought the Jesse Custer figure and the chase jesse custer and i never bought any of the other ones and i always had like regrets on not buying those uh and at our local comic shop comics on the green they had a tulip figure in their toy room and it was nice and minty and it was very inexpensive so i was like you know what f it i'm buying it so uh my my final purchase of the week was something that was bought at our local comic shop cool I'm so out of touch with those sort of things. I did not even know that DC Direct was doing new Preacher figures. Uh, well, like remember said, the remember the were, old ones? This is Joe. This is what I'm saying. These were from the year 2000. Oh, I thought you said that they were doing a new line of them. I was like, holy no, shit! No, no, this this is the vintage from like 21, 22 years ago. Oh, okay. That, that yeah, I had originally bought the two Jessies. I passed on. There was a Tulip, uh, a Santa Killers, and a Cassidy. So I still need the two latter. Okay. Again, if you're not, uh, again, you're mint in box, but yeah, mine are all open. Ah, oh, sass for ass. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so my last purchase uh, goes into something that I should have put into the main plug section, but we'll mention it here, of course. Uh, as you're listening to this, we are a mere two weeks away from uh, Let's Hang Out Spooky Edition returning to Sokol's in lovely scenic Bethlehem. The card is being piecemealed out there. I don't know. Um, official announcements are weird to come by, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, this was for the first time in Sokol's history that they were doing advanced tickets and they were doing a gimmick where you do the advanced ticket and you get the fancy, uh, spooky edition. Let's hang out shirt. Now, many times the good folks at the LVAC, when there's a show and there's the show meeting, they'll have a bunch of the show shirts and they'll say, all right, everyone have at it. Take one for free. Right. Mm. And typically the one three X that they make usually gets taken by someone other than me. um now i'll say this uh you know i am attempting to lose some of the weight uh this week i may have splurged a little bit um for the first time in like two months um but i still go with the 3x one because i like my clothes a little baggy two uh typically after i wash my clothes once uh they shrink and at least if it shrinks from a 3x to a 2x it'll still fit and even further still if it's a slim fit 3x like a world wrestling entertainment t-shirt is mm-hmm. um i'm not like dan champion or boar tall but i'm six foot you know mm-hmm. and most of my height is in my torso so if i'm just wearing a normal t-shirt if i get like a regular extra large or even like a 2x and i raise my hand my entire gut is hanging out <laughs> so i get the 3x so that if i do that and i raise my hand my entire gut isn't hanging out so my intention was I was going to go there and buy the ticket shirt combo. So I would be guaranteed a three X shirt, but lo and behold, I saw that you were able to order just the shirt. So I didn't have to fuck up the head count and buying a ticket. Cause I even said, I'm like, Oh, I'll just put my chair. I'll put my bag in a chair. And Dan's like, no <laughs> chairs. I'm like, well, I'll bring a chair. You know, I know a very famous chair I could bring with me. <laughs> um, but, uh, I have the link in the show notes for this. If you're intending on coming to the show, I do say buy your tickets. Uh, even if you are not coming to the show, uh, the shirt's really cool. You should check it out. And it's uh, merchbin.net, and it's the first thing there. Uh, yeah. Whether you're going to get the shirt, whether you're going to get the shirt and ticket combo, whatever it is that you're getting, uh, you know, support the LVAC. Yeah. And obviously, I will be attending the show. And since I am not working it, I'm attending it as a fan. I, too, purchased the T-shirt and advanced ticket bundle, Joe. And uh, I also told some of our mutual friends who are have been kind of on the fence about going to the show. Like some people, they're like, you know, our friend Dave, who sometimes goes with us. And I'm like, hey, are you going to the LVAC? And he's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not sure. Probably, you know, more likely yes than no. And I was like, well, you need to buy a ticket because you might not be able to get in with this kind of willy nilly attitude you got going on here. So I've been just letting people know that if you uh, it, it might not be a, a situation where you can just walk up to the show like in previous years. You know, it's right. a possibility. A lot of us don't live right near Bethlehem. Uh, so you might make a trip for nothing. So. The ticket combo is a, a, a good investment, you know, even if you just end up with the shirt and you can't make it, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, I'll say this uh, is as is my understanding, uh, people might be setting up their depending on the weather, uh, people might be setting up their merch tables outside. OK, uh, so even if you can't get into the show, there might be some wrestlers hanging out, uh, uh, hanging around outside that you could glad hand with and purchase some of their wares. OK, that'd be cool. 
As long as the bar will be open, right? There's no news on the bar being closed. Any kind of. Uh, I haven't been told it's closed, but I haven't been told it's open. So, oh. you know. So I would just assume it's open because, yeah, that's I need that to be open. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Precisely. All right. Well, that's all I got, Joe. All right. And I think that's all we got for the show this week. How about that? All right. All right, everyone. So thank you very much for listening to episode 159 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.